Welcome to the Tech Trek, where technology leaders share their insights, experiences, and views. Every week, I bring you a new guest. And on today's episode, my name is Andy Foley. I'm the director of engineering at Jupiter One. I've been at the company for a little over six months now. Uh, Jupiter One is a product, a very exciting startup that's been you know gone on for a few years now that I that I joined. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, it is a product that ultimately helps security practitioners and security experts of various enterprises understand what they have from an asset perspective, what kind of assets do they have out there within their enterprise, the point and data from platforms like Okta, GitHub, AWS, Azure, a number of other systems like that. And where might your vulnerabilities be or where could you have um, you know, some potential things you need to go remediate, making basically what's most important to you, how do you, uh, does it have a problem, you know, who can fix it, and then over time, as a security team, are you getting better with remediation, reporting, compliance, a number of things like that? So a big industry that's obviously becoming very, very important in this world. And uh, Jupiter One's a very exciting product at the forefront of uh, helping solve that problem. Thanks for being on the show, Andy. I'm excited to cover the podcast uh, topic that um, we decided on for this episode, which is really about adjusting your management style. Uh, in particular, when you join a new company, uh, people can obviously look you up on LinkedIn, but uh, you've been at Jupiter One for a short period of time, transitioning from a working for a big company uh, previous, and I guess there is a lot of stuff that goes into that, and uh, that's what we're going to dive into here. I guess the other first question to kind of um, talk about this this adjustment of a of a management uh, a style. So, you know, maybe walk us through where you worked before. Give us just a high level idea of what the you know, how, how the makeup of the teams were, and then maybe give us a little bit of contrast in terms of Jupiter One and kind of the size and scope of the team there, and we'll kind of go from there. So before Jupiter One, I was over at McGraw-Hill, focused on our digital platform group. I was there for a number of years. I started off as a software engineer, focused on various integrations and third-party integrations that McGraw-Hill was doing. So when we were delivering uh, digital content to our end users, a lot of the third-party systems that users would come with to access McGraw-Hill would go through the various single sign-on systems that my teams manage. And that was our, uh, the majority of our higher education traffic would come through those systems and that as well with our uh, K-12 users too. So I started off managing that little piece of it. And then from there, I, I, I grew into a management role overseeing multiple engineering teams. Um, at one point I had, you know, engineers on seven, eight teams, you know, that were working with me. And at one point I was running all new K-12 product development as well. And that was during the time of the pandemic as well in 2020. So the scale problems that we had um, some issues there that we had to work through were really exciting and really, really challenging. Um, but that was obviously a much, a much bigger company. It was an exciting time to be at McGraw Hill because it was moving more digital over time. I think when I first joined in 2015, about 15 to 20% of, uh, you know, our sales were digital. And then by the time I left several years later, it was close to 55, 60% in K-12 and higher education was even greater than that, 85, 90%. So it was a really exciting time to be there and I really enjoyed it, but it was obviously, you know, I, I was, it was a great place and learned a lot. And I kind of felt like it was time to maybe try a new challenge or get an experience in a new industry or just kind of challenge myself with a new opportunity. And when I came across Jupiter One, I was just really captivated by the product. And it was a startup that had been, you know, been going strong and had a great trajectory ahead of it. And I felt like I could bring a lot of the skills that I learned at McGraw Hill at that larger engineering organization that was several hundred people. You know, at, at some point, like I managed, I was probably managing somewhere between 50 and 75 people overall in my organization. Uh, Jupiter One, the opportunity came along, and you know our engineering organization at Jupiter One is closer to you know, sixty and, and growing. So it sounded like an exciting challenge, but um, you know it was obviously a big change in, in scale and magnitude of the types of teams I was managing. So 
now at Jupiter One, I'm responsible as well for our integrations teams that are responsible for ingesting data from a number of different vendors that power our data platform for end users. And then also our site reliability engineering team. So I've got anywhere between 15 to 20 engineers and I'm all managing them directly. So it's a smaller number than I was at at McGraw-Hill, but it's definitely a, a huge impact being responsible for that big of a chunk of the engineering organization, especially at a time when we're still continuing to grow and have a really good trajectory ahead of us. So you, you mentioned something very interesting about directly reporting to you. So McGraw-Hill, big teams, assuming you know you have managers reporting to you, that's the pretty sizable teams to be able to manage directly. And then now at Jupiter One, you are managing individual contributors of, of certain, you know, whatever their, their, their level is. Maybe walk us through the change, right? What, what, what adjustments do you have to make, you know, going from having to manage managers to now managing the direct reports? Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. When I was at McGraw-Hill, I was, you know, I started off managing individual contributors and lead engineers and progressed into that role where I was managing managers. And like you mentioned back in Jupiter One, you know, I've been managing individual contributors as well as team leads. I think the thing that's been a constant with it is really making sure that we aggregate the right problems to solve as an engineering team. And I really enjoy managing individual contributors and leads right now in Jupiter One because we have so many exciting opportunities ahead of us. But we need to make sure we're solving the right things and kind of having everybody reporting to me is a good opportunity because I kind of get a good idea to see how everybody's feeling about the direction we're going, you know, where can we improve, you know, what do we need to focus on as an engineering team? Um, that's really nice. And, you know, in the past managing managers, it's a little bit different because it's kind of, they're aggregating feedback from the team. You're still having skip level meetings and talking to individuals that are in your organization, but just not as much. Um, so that's always, uh, you know, that's been one constant, but that's something that I've really enjoyed. And that's been something I've enjoyed getting back into, but it's a challenge to, you know, manage that many people directly and um, and aggregate those problems and then decide what are we gonna what are we gonna do next, you know, as a team. And also you're you're at a smaller company, so you you are managing a big chunk of the engineering team. While it is direct, obviously the magnitude of those decisions could be different than where you were at McGraw Hill. You're you're one team of many. How does that factor in as you're changing the approach, working with the ICs again, how, how does that impact your view of, I guess, just the scope of the two companies? Yeah, I think one big thing is just making sure that I've, I've made a, I, I very consciously try to focus on making sure we're taking risks as we grow and are we choosing the right things to take risks on? And then what kind of information do I need to go gather from stakeholders and other departments to understand, are we making the right decisions with the directions that we're going? You know, one thing when I first did uh, you know, when I joined Jupiter One, was I asked everybody on the engineering team reporting to me, like, what do you think are our main problems to solve over this next this next fiscal year? And I didn't want to come in and be like, you know, hey, I know how to solve all those because I've managed larger engineering teams. I didn't really want to lead with that. I wanted to introduce concepts of care and kind of get a feel for what everybody was thinking and where people wanted to focus this next fiscal year. So when I came in and did that, you know, that adjustment and that transition to a smaller company, I really wanted to make sure that I aggregated a lot of input from many different people as we kind of formulated the decisions around the team. Um, so one thing I did was write down, you know, a number of problem statements, you know, eight to 10 different problems that as I observed and listened to a number of people, um, you know, what, where do we need to focus? And I kind of just vetted out the team, you know, am I on the right page? Am I understanding what you're saying? Am I identifying and aggregating the right things? And then I think the biggest shift you know, that compared to a bigger company is now it's, it's on me to have some solutions to those things and to start trying some things and then defining how do we create the best opportunity for success? Cause 
you're never going to start anything and feel like there's a 100% chance of succeeding. It's, it's somewhere between <laughs> somewhere between zero and 99. Like you're going to do your best, but you never know for sure. And you got to aggregate as much opinion from people as possible. And I think that's one big shift with like small company and big company, you know, Jupiter one, I'm very much on the hook for going to solve those problems. And I welcome that. And I think that's one thing I really, really enjoyed. So I guess as you've kind of, you know, had been working at McGraw Hill, you're building out the toolbox of, you know, all the, all the new skills you've added over the years, moving at a different level of management, move to Jupiter one. It's always, you know, trying to figure out which of those tools to pull out of your toolbox, right? Like you want to be careful in terms of which of those experiences you're leveraging, you're going into a new environment. And, and I think, you know, you spend most of your career at McGraw Hill. So you're kind of used to that environment. As you go into Jupiter one, how do you start looking at those, you know, those skills you've, you've grown to determine, Hey, which of these are, are best supplied here and how do I apply them to this new environment? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great question. I think two things that I definitely pulled from McGraw-Hill that applied very well to what we were doing at Jupiter One was I was involved in hiring and interviewing at McGraw-Hill as any director of engineering was, but that was one need that clearly Jupiter One has as we grow and scale our engineering team. It's a startup. We need to continue growing the size of our team to meet our business needs. And uh, pulling from my experiences at McGraw-Hill, building teams, onboarding people successfully, coming up with 30, 60, 90 day plans to make sure that they have a good start with the company. That was something I pulled and I was pretty much, that felt like a one-to-one kind of copy from you know what I did at McGraw-Hill, just making sure that that continued to go well as we grew our team. You know, One thing that I think was really different was at a bigger company like McGraw-Hill, uh, the planning cycles for the work that would come up is very different than at a startup. Um, at McGraw-Hill, the selling model was we sold our product mostly to states and they'd be assessing the curriculum, assessing the technology, and then making the decision that sometime would run the course of several years. Um, so there was a lot of pressure on making those dates, but it also gave us some flexibility and like when we hit certain targets, because really sometimes it would be a big bang with delivering that product to certain states or certain pieces of curriculum. So I kind of allowed a longer running planning cycle where you could plan multiple months down the road, whereas a startup, you have to be prepared to pivot when something's not working. So that was something I wanted to make sure I didn't want to come into Jupiter one and be like, okay, let's like really think about the next 12 months and think like really long ahead and kind of drag that out. Like we need to think about what do we have right now? Let's start, uh, you know, paving our path forward. And let's think about what we want to focus in this, this, this next quarter. Cause at the startup, you know, it's startup like Jupiter one. We're trying to get every customer every day and, you know, we got to make sure that we're, that we're moving the needle. So I think defining those short-term problems and putting an emphasis on like, let's try some experiments. Let's take some bets. What's going to work. What's not going to work find our product market fit. Um, you know, that's always, that's always, um, I think more of a challenge in a small company, but it's always a fun challenge. Um, whereas in a bigger company like McGraw Hill, they're a big three publisher, right? Um, you know, they're, 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 the, the fit is there. Um, in Jupiter one, the fit is there as well for what we're trying to do, but it's trying to, you know, double down on that and keep, keep moving forward is definitely something that, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a fun challenge. So I guess, you know, between the two environments, um, you know, obviously from the outside, I look at McGraw Hill and I go, it's a bigger company. It's a lot more structure. Uh, Jupiter One startup, you know, typical startups run really hard and lean and, and, and are able to pivot a lot, as you mentioned. How do you adjust to that? Because obviously you spent time in an environment and I'm sure with the pandemic, they had to, McGraw Hill had to speed up. You mentioned a lot of transition was happening, but, you know, startup of, you know, 50, 100, 150 always has some of that flexibility built in of being able to, to, to manage those kind of pivots. How, do you, how did you make that transition in terms of being more comfortable in that type of environment? Yeah, I really tried to build, 
build relationships with as many people as I could. I remember when I first started Jupiter One, I think I met with probably even outside of my team that reported directly to me. I think I met with like 30 people and asked them like a number. I was like, Hey, you know, I want to be your friend. <laughs> like, how can I, how can I help you? Like, what can we do together? You know, how can we make this product the best we can make it? And also not even, you know, highlighting the, the successes almost because I asked a lot of people like, Hey, when customers have come up, like, why did they not buy Jupiter one? Like, what do we need to do to, to make sure we can sell it to customers that weren't necessarily impressed? Right. Like, what do we, how do we move the needle there as well? That was something that I really tried to lean on and, and try to build relationships with a number of people in different departments. You know, I talked to people in sales solutions, customer success, try to get a real feel for, um, you know, how things were going and, and where, how I could best help. I think that was one big adjustment that I, that I, that I had to make. And I embraced the willingly kind of being like, I'm going to go meet 25% of the company this week because <laughs> it's a smaller company and there's, you know, less people. Whereas at, as at McGraw Hill, you know, 20 to 20, you know, 20, 30 people, that's a, that's a drop in the bucket. There's a lot, you know, a lot of people um, at bigger companies. So that was one thing that I made a very conscious adjustment with. It was like, I need to really put myself out there and I really need to go talk to a number of people and try to understand what are the most pressing problems? You know, what are the top five things we need to solve this quarter? And let's just hyper-focus on that and get moving. And then how do I structure my teams? How do I build my teams up to all this problems and continue building good rapport with my, with my colleagues? When you're meeting your team, you're, you know, you obviously, you know, working with a new team, you understand the team also is getting used to you. How do you adjust to knowing that the team is also assimilating to you, also adjusting to your style? I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of that has to happen so that both can optimally work together. Yeah, I definitely, I very much, one big adjustment I think I made as well is kind of at the director level at McGraw-Hill, managing managers. You know, I wasn't at every team stand-up or every Agile ceremony. I was kind of managing from, from higher up, working more strategically about what are we going to be building six months from now. That was more of kind of where I was at with McGraw Hill at the end of my time there. Uh, whereas Jupiter One, it's very much in the day to day. So I did jump in on team standups, kind of understand like, hey, what's going on? And it was an important distinction to kind of make sure and draw that I didn't want to come off as a micromanager, like wanting to know every single thing going on in the day to day. But I did want to stay engaged and I wanted to tell people. And I told people at one to ones throughout multiple weeks, like, I just want to make sure that I understand. That you're supported, you feel like you have help in the tasks that are coming up. How can I best help you? And do you feel challenged? Like, do you feel like this work is exciting? Those are questions I always try to ask people at one to ones, just to make sure that they, um, you know, that they're that they're enjoying the work and that they feel feel like they're in a good spot. Um, so I really tried to stay like very directly engaged with the teams, working with them, joining agile ceremonies at first. I backed away from those over time, like not entirely, but I've been doing that to kind of make sure I'm not, you know helicoptering too much, right? It's like a fine line, like I said. Uh, but that's really how I did it early in the day to really make sure that people felt like I, I cared and that I really wanted like the team to succeed. And then I also, when I brought ideas, it wasn't just coming from McGraw-Hill in my previous experience. It was more like I had enough examples from those team ceremonies to draw on to be like, hey, you know, looks like we could improve in this area. What do we think? I think that gains credibility with the team pretty quickly. And that's kind of how I tried to assess things as things went on. So McGraw Hill doesn't like when you see people move to you know, ex, you know exciting startups, Jupiter One type startups. You don't think somebody's coming from McGraw Hill isn't the natural area that you go. That's where the transition happens. I guess give us some commentary on on just that that shift because it it is it is a I guess if you're in the startup space, that's a pretty big shift. Like you know, when you're looking to hire people, you don't go. I'm going to go look at McGraw Hill to to pull talent from. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, you know, Jupiter One. The thing I was really looking for when I, you know, was looking for a new a new opportunity was like just a really compelling product. And when I first joined McGraw Hill, kind of like I mentioned in 2015, a couple of years into the digital transformation, 10 to 15 percent of sales in the K12 space, I believe at that time, were digital. By the time I left, six seven years later, it was 60 70 percent. So it was exciting at the time to be there because we were building a really cool product that we delivered digitally, despite some of the stereotypes of being a publishing company and various other things. But there was a lot of exciting things happening over there as well. But I kind of wanted to look for the next the next big thing and the next big product. And as soon as I saw what Jupiter One was doing, I knew that was it. I, I saw that and just immediately felt like every security practitioner, CISO, people in IT ops needs this bad. Um, and, and I was like, I think I can bring a lot of experience you know, from what I've learned to Jupiter One as they grow. And that's really what I've been trying to focus on doing. But I think that's really what I was looking for was like a really strong, compelling product. Um, and Jupiter One is certainly that. So I think... Um, you know, it was an interesting transition because yeah, I came in from ed tech and a lot of, I, before the pandemic, people would always, I tell people I worked in McGraw Hill and people would be like, oh, do you write textbooks? And I'd be like, no, I, you know, I work on the software side of things. <laughs> but after the pandemic, people were like, you know, what are you doing online to help, you know, help kids learn digitally? So it's, um, it's been an interesting transition and it's not something that you would, um, to your point, you know, that you'd expect to see, but I really enjoyed jumping into the startup environment. Andy, thanks for being on the show. Uh, really appreciate your insights, sharing about you know some of the transitions, big company to small company, and, and the adjustments made. Yeah, thanks so much for having me here. Absolutely. I like to always ask uh, every guest this question. I want to get uh, your view, but I like to see if if a future guest uh, could cover a topic for you uh, on the show. What would you like for that guest to talk about? I'd really like to hear about somebody who's effectively managed a group of staff plus engineers and how they assign them the various needs within the company. I think Jupiter One, we have a number of principal and staff engineers, and I'm constantly thinking about the growth opportunities that I can give them. And I've seen some things in previous companies and other people have tried. Some things have worked, some things haven't. I think that's like a topic that's super interesting to hear good stories about. And if somebody wants to contact you and talk about anything uh, from the podcast or kind of pick your brain, what's a good way of getting a hold of you? Yeah, you can get a hold of me at, at my name, Andy Dafoy at jupiter1.com. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn as well if you want to communicate over LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank, thank you very much, Andy. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. That's it for this episode. I'll be back again with a different guest, a different topic. Until then, please like, subscribe, share, leave a comment wherever you are watching or listening to this episode. I can't thank you enough if you do. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.